Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. We take your calls, your Bible comments, questions. They get priority over anything I might be talking about. Last week we were talking about how that um, this prevalent false teaching that one does not really have to obey God to be saved, how it affects many different topics. We talked about a number of topics. We plan to talk about a few more tonight. Uh, the passage I was reading when I had to go off the air last week is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Um, that's talking about the judgment day. And it says that not only are we going to be judged based upon what we believe, we see that from passages like John 3.16, but we're going to be judged based on the things that we did in our body while we were alive, whether they were good or bad. Obedience is required according to that. We're going to be judged based upon what we did. The Old Testament taught the same thing. Ecclesiastes 12.13 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's why we're here, to fear God and keep his commandments. That's our whole duty. That's it. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Of course we have to obey God in order to be saved. A lot of people teach that you don't. A lot of preachers teach that you don't. A lot of churches say that you don't. And their false teaching on that subject pervades, influences a lot of subjects, causes them to teach false doctrine on a number of different topics. Tim from Iowa, go ahead with the question or, Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, sometimes wondering about when do you when do you think all the races begin? Like the white, black, Chinese, they're all different. Uh, I thought maybe it was the Tower of Babel. I don't know. I just thought I'd get your opinion on it. I guess they really started that with Adam and Eve. Started with Adam and Eve that uh, every uh, race was within Adam and Eve because every race, black, white, American Indian, Oriental, they all came from Adam and Eve. So the Adam and Eve came through that reproduction line. So they st all the races started with Adam and Eve, obviously. You know, it doesn't matter what race you are now, for sure. Ephesians 2, 14 6 through 16, talking about Jesus, says, For he is our peace who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby three times in this passage we see that God made two one if you if you see verse 11 is talking it mentions the word Gentiles he's talking about these two races Jew and Gentile it says who have made both one verse 14 the end of verse 15 to make himself twain one new man that's two and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body. Three times he said he made these two races one. See, before, what he's saying, when it says he abolished in his flesh the, uh, the commandments, uh, what he's saying is, is, that, is that before, during the days, the centuries, while the Old Testament law was binding, only the Jews were bound by that law. Only the Jews were under the Old Testament law. And so that right there made a distinction between Jew and Gentile because the Jews were bound by the right law, and Gentiles were not. But then when Jesus came and he nailed that law to the cross, he abolished that law, 
according to verse 15. He nailed the law to the cross, Colossians 2, verse 14. And then he put us all under the New Testament law, the law of Christ. He's our leader, not Moses anymore. Now, it doesn't matter one bit what race you are, Jew or Gentile, black or white. As I said, whether you're from Russia or Native American Indian, it makes no difference what nation you're from. Uh, we're all under the same law. God doesn't care what nation or race you're from. In Acts 10, 34 and 35, we read this. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So God doesn't care. He doesn't care how much money you got or what race you are or uh, where you're from, what nation. It, whatever nation you're from, if you fear him and work righteousness, if you trust and obey him. See the the point there of having to obey God to be accepted by him? If you're willing to obey him, the race doesn't matter anymore. Race does not matter anymore. The only thing that matters is whether or not we trust and obey God. And we see from passages like the one we just read that obedience to Christ is necessary to salvation. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you want to ask a Bible question is 877-655-6755. Let's make some more applications of this principle. Let's talk about modest dress for a moment. First Timothy 2, 9 and 10, the Bible says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. And so women are told here, and the same thing applies to men, to dress modestly. And we know one of the main reasons for that. Matthew 7, Matthew 5, 28, whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in his heart. So if a woman's not dressing modestly, if she's dressing provocatively, showing too much or too tight, whatever the case may be, it's going to cause men to lust. So the Bible commands the woman to dress modestly. But if you notice, probably 99% of believers out there, the young ladies, go to the beach and dress in bikinis. And those, what they're dressing then on, on the beach, dressing in bikinis, is not anywhere close to being modest. Not within a hair or a hide of being modest. Hardly anybody, and I'm talking about believers, obeys God in 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10 to dress modestly. It would, as a matter of fact, they say it would be considered weird to be modestly dressed on the beach. You'd be out of place. You'd look different. But God commands this. And I think this idea that you don't have to obey God, that you don't really have to, is the reason so many believers think they can dress dressed immodestly on the beach and otherwise. Because they know the Bible teaches they should dress modestly, but they don't really think it's necessary to obey God. So they think, since I don't have to obey God, and on the beach, if I dress modestly on the beach, for example, I'll look weird. Therefore, I'm not going to dress modestly on the beach. Instead, I'm going to dress in a bikini. No matter how many young men I cause to lust and sin, cause them to sin, sin by dressing immodestly, they think it doesn't really matter because they've been convinced by so many preachers that you don't really have to obey God to be saved. Like, once saved, always saved. Once you're a Christian, no matter how you live, you're going to be saved. So why not dress immodestly? Because... I don't want to look weird on the beach, and I'm going to be saved anyway, even if I don't do what God says. Do you see how this teaching that you don't have to obey God to be saved pervades all 
these Bible issues that causes people just to ignore what the Bible says on many topics. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. Well, how about what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 46? He says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Lord doesn't mean God. It simply means boss or ultimate boss. When you have a boss at work, that's supposed to mean you do what he says. If you don't do what he says, you're going to get in trouble. So Jesus is saying you're inconsistent if you call me Lord or boss and don't do the things that I say. First Peter 1.17 says, And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. So again, we learned this from 2 Corinthians 5. And again here, on the judgment day, what are we going to be judged based upon? Are we going to be judged based upon whether or not we believe? Certainly. John 3, 36, if you don't believe, you're going to be lost. But also we're going to be judged based upon our works, what we do, our obedience. This is proven by passages like 1 Peter 1, 17. It doesn't matter how many preachers, how many churches say, that all you got to do to believe is believe to be saved. That once saved, always saved is true. This says we're going to be judged according to our works. In other words, you have to trust and obey. Not just believe, but trust and obey. And this false teaching that you don't have to obey is what's causing people to be off on so many issues. Another issue, the issue of infant baptism. Let's read Acts 8, 35 through 37. If you have a Bible question or comment, Give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Let me read Acts 8, 35 through 37. It says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Notice from verse 35, Philip is preaching Jesus to the eunuch. Now, there must be something about baptism when you're preaching Jesus. Because when Philip preached Jesus to the eunuch and they came up on a body of water, the eunuch said, Hey, here's some water. What's keeping me from being baptized? So preaching Jesus includes preaching the necessity of baptism. The eunuch heard Philip preach Jesus and knew he needed to be baptized. What's keeping me from being baptized, he says? Well, Philip says in verse 37, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Well, what is that mayest what? Mayest be baptized. What does that imply if a person doesn't believe? You may not be baptized. If I say, if you believe, you may be baptized, that implies that if you don't believe, you may not be baptized. Well, that's exactly what Philip said. So that would mean that a person that's not a believer shouldn't be baptized. Well, what does that say about infant baptism? (laughs) It shows clearly it's not scriptural, yet we have all kinds of churches out there, Catholic, Episcopal, Presbyterian, Methodist. They're baptizing babies. Why? I mean, they know this passage is in here that says, if you believe, you may be baptized. But they go ahead and baptize unbelievers. People are not believers anyway. Why do they do that? I think it's because this doctrine that you don't have to obey God to be saved has pervaded these churches. In other words, if you're taught you don't have to obey God to be saved, 
then you feel free to go ahead and baptize babies, even though the Bible teaches that's unscriptural. Why not? You don't have to obey God to be saved. If we think it's good for the family unit to baptize babies, we're going to baptize babies because we think it's good for the family union. It doesn't matter that it's not authorized by the Bible because, after all, you don't have to obey God to be saved. You see the reason? But you do have to obey God to be saved. You do have to obey God to be saved. As a matter of fact, John fourteen fifteen, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. One time this, I was eating lunch with a guy and he told a dirty joke and I called his hand on that and said, a Christian shouldn't tell a joke like that. He says, well, God knows that I love him. So he thought the fact that he thought he loved God meant that he didn't have to obey God. But the very opposite is true. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So if you really love God, you will keep his commandments. And if you don't keep his commandments, that shows you don't love him. Obviously, you have to love God to be saved. Many passages teach that. And so the way you demonstrate your love for God is by keeping his commandments. I can show my wife Carol. I love her by giving her a kiss. Can't do that with God. He's not here. How do I demonstrate to God that I love him? By keeping his commandments. John 15, 14, a sister passage to that. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Well, what does that imply if you don't do what Jesus commands? You're not his friend. Can you be saved if you're not Jesus' friend? Obviously not. So the Bible teaches over and over and over that you have to obey God in order to be saved. But many churches and preachers teach that you don't, and it affects many other issues, many different Bible topics. Again, if you have a Bible question or comment, you feel free to call us. The number to call is 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Let's talk about another issue where this, this teaching that you don't have to obey God to be saved permeates another subject. And this is the idea of sprinkling for baptism. Romans 6, 4 reads this way. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, notice the first part of that verse says we're buried with him, talking about Christ, by baptism. Buried with Christ by baptism. Now, when somebody dies and we take them out to the graveyard to bury them, sprinkle a little dirt on their head, does that mean we put them all the way up under the ground? Well, we put them all the way under the ground, don't we? We know what the word buried means. So if we're going to bury somebody in baptism, would that mean we sprinkle a little water on their head and put them all the way up under the water? It means we're going to put them all the way up under the water. And those that Romans 6 verse 4 is in the is in the Bible, and everybody can look up the Greek word baptizo and see the definition for it is immersion, not sprinkling. But why do all these churches insist upon sprinkling or pouring instead of immersion? Well, isn't it because they think it doesn't really matter whether or not we obey God? I mean, they, they think, well, they can read Romans 6 verse 4, but they think we don't really have to follow that because after all, you don't have to obey God to be saved. So we're free to do what we want to do. God's going to save us anyway. Do you see how this false teaching that you don't have to obey God to be saved permeates all these other subjects and causes all kinds of people, churches, preachers to be wrong about other subjects because they don't, they don't, they know they can read what the Bible says, but they're not necessarily going to follow the Bible because they don't think they have to. We don't have to do that. You don't have to obey God to be saved. But there are many passages that teach that you do have to obey God to be saved. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Tony from Georgia, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I've got two questions, actually. 
One, I walked, went to the church this morning to see my granddaughter be baptized, and the pastor baptized her in the name of Jesus Christ for repentance of your sins instead of baptizing in the Trinity like the Bible says to. Uh, my second question is, I lead a Bible study every Monday night. I've been doing it for 15 years, and this guy was raised Pentecostal, and he says we need to use the name Yahweh for God. But I feel like, and the Bible says that's a sacred name, not to be, you know, spoken. Well, it's actually those are two good questions. Uh-huh. Those are two good questions, Tony. In Acts verse two, chapter two, verse thirty-eight. Yes, sir. The Bible, Peter said, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins." So, so, uh-huh. so people are to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen is where we read about the three persons. Let me mm-hmm. read that, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Right. So one place says to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and another place says to baptize in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Tony, both of those passages have to be true because they're both came from God. Right. So so Second really three sixteen. Okay. So both of those mm-hmm. passages are correct. So that would mean that baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and baptizing in the name of Jesus are the mm-hmm. same thing. Now where okay. Tony people get off is they think those passages are telling what the preacher is to say when he baptizes somebody. They're not doing that at all. They're telling what the person who's being baptized is to do. Let me illustrate with a passage like Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Tony. It says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So this, those other passages are telling us to baptize in the name of. This is saying whatever we do, we have to do it in the name of Jesus. So mm-hmm. if I kiss my wife, I've got to do it in the name of Jesus. If I take out the garbage, I've got to do it in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. At my job, if I do something to work for my family, i got to do it in the name of Jesus. Is that meaning we got to say every time I kiss my wife or take out the garbage or nail a nail in my carpentry work that i got to say I, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus? Do we have to say that, Tony? No. 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 So, so see, this is none of these passages are telling anybody what to say. They're all telling people what to do, and all of them are saying this. Whatever you do, do in the name of Jesus means whatever you do, do by the authority of Jesus. So Acts 2.38, when it says to be baptized in the name of Jesus, it's not telling the baptizer what to do. It's telling the person that's being baptized that he needs to be baptized in the name of Jesus, meaning by his authority. And that would be mm-hmm. the same as in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It doesn't mean right. say those words. It means to baptize by the authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which is the same as is the authority of Jesus Christ. Do you Got see you. what I mean, Tony? There's there's no baptismal formula per se. He's telling us to baptize in the name by the authority of God. Okay, by the okay. authority of Jesus. Not, not not telling you at all what to say, what the baptizers to say. And when you right. when you understand that, then you know these verses don't contradict one another. Gotcha. Okay. Does that make sense, Tony? Even, yes, it does. Even though Peter wrote one and Jesus said the other. 
doesn't make any difference because Peter was inspired of God. Yes. Remember, Jesus okay. said in John 16, 13, I'm going to leave. And he said it to Peter and the rest of the apostles. He said, but I'm going to mm-hmm. send a holy, uh, the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and he's going to guide you into all the truth, John 16, 13. So what Peter wrote in Acts 2 was from God himself through the Holy Spirit. So okay. they're both inspired of God. They're both right. And the way they contradict is to understand they're not telling the preacher what to say. They're telling the person being baptized what to do, and that is to be baptized by the authority of Christ or by the authority of God. That's the same thing. Make sense, Tony? It does. And from there on, you are an example for Jesus. Now, now, as to your second question, Mm -hmm. in Acts chapter 2, we have the uh, basically... The apostles spoke in tongues, Acts 2, 4, and verse 6 and verse 8 and verse 11 showed that the person hearing them heard them speak in their own language. So so in Acts 2, God, this is what speaking in tongues is. It's not a bunch of gibberish. It was God miraculously in those days enabling a preacher to speak the gospel message in a language that he did not, had never learned never studied so that he could immediately preach and communicate to people that didn't understand, for example, Hebrew. So, so mm-hmm. like if a person, if I was preaching and I didn't know Russian, God, if he was going to give this miracle to me, he would ina- miraculously enable me to speak in Russian so that I could preach to some Russians, even though I didn't know Russian and they didn't know English. You follow what I'm saying? That's just an example. Okay. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. So passages like that show that it's definitely authorized. Matter of fact, it's it's commended. It's a good thing to try to preach the gospel in the language of the people that you're preaching to so they can understand it better, okay? Yes. So when we're okay. preaching and we come across the name of Jesus, for example, yes. right? What it is in the Hebrew, it might mm-hmm. be pronounced a little bit differently than what it is if you're speaking it in English or Greek right. or Chinese, just like my name in English is Patrick, but in Spanish is Patricio. So if somebody was talking about me in, just in Spanish, instead of saying Patrick, they would say Patricio. Well, was there anything, is that violating my name because my name's Patrick? No, that's my name in Spanish. That's perfectly valid. Passages in the Bible like Acts 2 definitely authorize us to speak in other languages, the language that people were speaking to understand because the point of of trying to preach to them is to help communicate so they'll understand it. So it's actually better to speak in their language and in terms and words that they will understand. Not necessarily in the terms and words that I'm used to, but in the terms and words and language they understand. So so if you come across Jesus' name in the Bible and it's a little bit different in a different language, use the version of it in the language that your, the people who are hearing understand. That's right. authorized. That's That's actually not only approved, it's it's encouraged by the Bible to communicate. Okay. Try to put it in terms they will understand and the language they will understand. Okay, Don't be stuck on the terms that I'm used to or the language I'm used to. Okay. Go ahead, but Tony. I'm con- sorry. The, the four consonants, continents, uh, consonants, that's God's name. Uh, are they mm-hmm. supposed to? It's a sacred name, right? I mean, people are they even supposed say to what, the name Tony? God back then. They are a sacred name and not supposed to be spoken. The people back then in the Old Testament would not even mention the name God or write it down. They would put G hyphen D or G hyphen D. 
when the New Testament uh, writers quoted quoted from the Old Testament and they came across God's name, they switched it to Lord. Yeah, they wouldn't yes, use his name. Yes. You're right about that. T- okay. Tony, I've got to go off the air. I appreciate your call, okay? Yes, sir. Appreciate hey, your call. Are y'all, are y'all open for questions 24-7 or all the time or just certain times? Yes. Just hang on. I'm going to give my cell phone number in just a moment, and, okay? Okay. And you'll be able to, you can call or text me on my cell phone number anytime you want to, okay? Yes, sir. One last passage on obedience. Deuteronomy 5.29 in the Old Testament. Oh, it says, Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. So we need to have the kind of heart that's going to keep all of God's commandments always. Everything he said to do all the time until the end of our life. That's what God expects of us. That's what he wants of us. My number, cell phone number, is 256-682-9753. If you would like a free home Bible study, one-hour phone Bible study to your convenience, or you want to call me and ask me any Bible question anytime,